What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Up in Flames. As always, I am your host, Mo Murphy, and I got a special show today. We're going to cover all things NBA trade deadline. We've had plenty of discussion since Thursday when the trade deadline ended. Don't mind Chris's phone going off. It's okay. <laughs> Very unprofessional. But yeah, we're going to talk the NBA trade deadline today, but... As everyone knows, I have a new video. If you're watching, it's up in the right-hand corner. If you follow me, you've already seen it. So before we get into the trade deadline, this is going to be the show where I debut the new intro. I felt the bass in my in my uh, in my headset. I like that. Yeah, that was it, hey, it was shout out to my guy. So before we get the show started, um, just kind of with the new intro and new logo, uh, my guy started a digital marketing agency, and he reached out to me and was like, he's gonna do it pro bono for me to get like his feet wet as far as getting into it. So he created my intro. So with speaking of that, make sure you go to uh, Tabo's Creative Studio Marketing Agency. He has a website. He has um, he, he has his own merchandise, things like that. And he also will be anybody looking to do new intros, new new um, new logos and, and anything digital media. You can reach out to him. Um, I'll post all his social media and stuff along with this episode so everybody can reach out. Um, there's already been a few inquiries. And so, you know, we're working on getting that underway as well. So shout out to my guy. But. This is a special episode. We're going to talk the NBA trade deadline. A lot of trades happen. One of the busiest trade deadlines, you know, a a lot of people kind of think this is one of the busiest or at least biggest um, trade deadlines kind of in NBA history. Um, We know of all sports, you know, that I'm familiar with, I think the NBA trade deadline is the one trade deadline that we look forward to more than anything. It doesn't get that active for NFL um, I'm not too familiar with how the trade deadline is with baseball. I know moves be made, but not to the extent of the NBA. So, but before that, I got my guy Chris and I got my guy Ken. How are y'all today? I'm congested, but I'm here, man. I'm here. I, I was, I was, uh, I was down and out for a few days. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Caught something. something going around, bro. Everybody's getting sick. Ken, how are you? I'm healthy. Um, uh, I'm healthy. Okay. I'm, I'm not it's really that, active. Air. like I'm probably like 20 pounds overweight but like other than that like I guess I'm good so like super excited to be here and I got new glasses. deadline um I got new glasses my eyes are good I'm I have healthy eyes for a diabetic so that was good news yeah, I look like a watermelon with legs so I mean I'm not really looking too good right now but excited to chat about the NBA well Ken you got to get back in the gym you was doing good for for a little minute so you got to get back in there, man. I'm just, I'm just saying, but I know your swamp would work. So, but we, but, you, but you know how you get back in the gym is you have W energy, and then it goes a long way 
and getting you back wow. in the gym. Wow, Ken. And well, what's that, the promo code for that? That was a solid. That was a solid. What's the promo code, Ken? While you're at it, <laughs> that's Come a good question. We gotta be in sync. If you're just gonna do that, we gotta bounce <laughs> off each other. This is how you. Is it OD, OTBN ten? Don't say it like you're questioning it. Saying with confidence. <laughs> I don't that remember. <laughs> Rewind. It's OTBN ten. Yeah. So. What Ken is talking about is our newest sponsor, W Energy. So you can get you can you can I don't feel good. You're gonna make me call. You can use the promo code OTB10 for W Energy, uh, one of the new up and coming energy drinks, and our latest sponsor over at Off the Ball Network. So now, finally, we are gonna get into the NBA trade deadline. We gotta talk about the trade of all trades. We do have a Lakers fan in in the building. So we are going to be able to talk about the Lakers. I'm very impressed with their moves, but we will talk about that after. We talk about the trade of all trades. Kevin Durant went to the Phoenix Suns. Wait, I mean, the Knicks? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll get into that, though, because that could be that could be a solid one as well. But Kevin Durant went to the Suns. Um, I'm going to tell you my experience with this Kevin Durant trade. It pissed me off. And it's not about Kevin Durant going to Phoenix. It's not about Brooklyn making a move. It's about the timing of it. I'm in Texas time. It happened at what? about 1.30 Eastern in the morning. So I, I went, you know, when you go to bed and it's like, okay, take you about 45 minutes to get in that deep sleep. I was about 35 minutes in of in my deep sleep and my phone goes off. Boom, Kevin Durant was traded to the Phoenix Suns. Now I have to wake up because now I have to understand what the hell is going on. It is so late. Why was this? And I had so many questions. Why was this announced in the middle of the night? Why are you up this late doing business? This could have waited until six, seven o'clock in the morning. And it almost seems like, Brooklyn tried to slide it in there with no controversy. Like they, they wanted it to break so everybody could wake up to it, but it couldn't be immediately broke down. Not everybody was as soon as the trade was getting on their podcast, getting on ESPN, getting on like none of the talk shows could really talk about it. You had to let it marinate. And so I think there was a reason for that um, because Kevin Durant kind of quietly asked out. We kind of thought this would be a possibility, but we thought it'd be more in the summertime. Once Kyrie Irving got traded, and we'll talk about that trade as well. But Ken, I'll start with you. Like, just initial reaction thoughts, and and how much does this change the landscape of the NBA right now for this season? I mean, it definitely changes the West because I think all year we've been like, who is the best team in the West? We know Golden State are the defending champs, but they've dealt with injuries, so we haven't really seen a lot of them. Then we see the Kyrie news with with Luca, and we're like, oh, maybe Dallas could be that team because Luca's finally got a, a guy to go with them. We're like, well, maybe it's the Clippers, maybe it's Denver because they're the one seed. And then this trade happens, <laughs> and now we're looking at, I'd call it a big two and a half of, uh, well, we'll say big three because Aiton's a half and Chris Paul's a half, and then you've got Booker, <laughs> and then you've got equals one, so yeah. And, and then you've got the math checks out there. Mm-hmm. You're definitely doing a lot better on that front. Yes. Um, but KD and Booker together, we're talking about a Suns team that went to the finals just a couple of years ago, and now they add Kevin Durant. Yes, they lose some of their defense with Bridges and some of their depth as well, but I think this makes them the favorites to come out of the West. I mean, I don't see another team that can match the star power that Phoenix has, and it is a very star-driven league, so... I think it just shapes or shakes up the Western Conference. No one was considering Brooklyn title favorites or anything in the East back when they had Katie and Kyrie anyways. At least I don't think that they were. So 
I think it just shakes up the West and we finally have a team that we look at as, oh, okay, so that's the best team in the West now. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, like, it's just we'll have to see what it looks like, and it kind of sucks that, you know, Kevin Durant isn't coming back till after the All-Star break. So, what, those last 30 to 32 games, um, they'll kind of have to mesh going into the playoffs. But Phoenix is in a good spot, too, because they're, what, fifth in the West right now? So, they'll probably be good enough to avoid the play-in. I know from, like, four to... 14 is like fairly close. It's gotten a little bit farther um, from four to like the Lakers basically now um, after they dropped the past couple games. But we'll we'll get into the Lakers in a second. Chris, when, when you saw the news, whenever you may have saw it, whether you saw it in the middle of the night, whether you saw it, you know, the next morning, just what, what do you think about Kevin Durant being traded to Phoenix? Since I was sick, I was sick as a dog. And I'm just – I just happened to look at my phone at night and I'm just like – Kevin Durant to Phoenix. I thought it was just a part of my hallucination because I'm just so congested and all that. I'm just like, oh, this isn't this isn't real. The, the trades this doesn't happen during the day. Like they wouldn't want that. They want that to happen, you know, at times with people up so we can, you know, have you know live content to happen and all that. I didn't think they would. This would drop so late at night, you know. Uh, and then and then I woke up and it was like, oh no, this this is real. Oh, this this is. And I've talked about it on, on a bunch of like the, the recap shows we have done. And we've talked about like the Kevin Durant stuff. Like if somebody wants to make it happen, they probably should just go all in and try to make it happen. But I can see how it being a difficult trade to make um, in a way. But you can also say in a way like, well, he's under contract for three more years. So is it as difficult as we're we're trying to make it out or people are telling us that it is? Because it's like he's on the contract, so it shouldn't be that difficult. Like mm-hmm. you trade for him, he's on your team for the next three years. And he has no, he's not like is a no trade clause. Like you trade for him, you trade for him. Like Mo, you said whoever has the best pieces go go after it. And we have mentioned trades and all that, and and, and trade, you know. Um, but um, I love what Phoenix did. I just it's a power move. The owner, like, and, I, and we talked about it on the spaces, like. For an owner to just come in, right? This is what his first week as as the owner, mm-hmm. like to come just, in. It was like Tuesday. He just got here, literally. He he just touched down, and he's just like, um, first order of business, guys, go get Kevin Durant. Don't try to get him. Get him. I don't care what you have to give up, as long as it's not Booker or CP or Aiden. And if you could do that, and look at gave away, look. Cam Cam Johnson's a good player, but you could find you could find a Cam Johnson, right? Mikael Bridges is a good player. What he does defensively and in some of his offense, his three point shooting is good. But you could find that there's only one Kevin Durant. There's only one Kevin Durant, and your window is. We thought it was a little bigger a few years ago when they got to the finals. Like, oh, they can uh-huh. get back there. Then they win sixty seven games, and obviously we know what happened in Dallas. But you know, power move. I love what they did. The owner went all in. I wish we had more owners like that. I've said that a bunch of times, but it's a good move for Phoenix to go all in. Pressure is going to come with that. Um, so, and that's probably the one thing you know. I think team uh, uh, people are probably like curious about is can they handle it, you know, and all that. Um, but uh, for CP three, this is do this is this is this is all or nothing. You got you got this year and next year. I think you can get one more, not not maybe like a CP three season, but you can get a, one more solid seed. I think 
He's got two. They got two years to get this done. This is a two-year, a one and a half-year window um, mm-hmm. to get it to win a championship. And if they don't get it done, then it's a disappointment. But they could get it done this year, as open as the West is, and like. Um, but it, it's a good move. They, they, you know, um, really good move. Um, I don't know if were there any other off. I think that was the only offer. I think he was. Uh, so, so Brooklyn only was talking to Phoenix. Phoenix. There was no other team. Um, and so this is where my theory of like, this is why it happened. The teams didn't even know he was available. No, nobody, they were calling and they were being shut down. And what happened was Kevin Durant met with Josiah. Josiah has the utmost respect for Kevin Durant. So it seemed like the breakup was going to happen. If it didn't happen that night, it was going to happen in the summertime. It basically seemed like Kevin Durant was like, I'm not really trying to rebuild around me. I'm older. I want to compete for championships. And Josiah basically was like, where do you want to go? And he was like, I want to go to Phoenix. And so Josiah called Phoenix as opposed to, I know when the Phoenix owner took over, like he definitely was like, okay, Kyrie Irving has been traded. Kevin Durant, we at least got to see, t- check the temperature on if he's available. And then after the meeting with Kevin Durant and Josiah, took place and he like respected him because we've heard, we've seen the reports like Joe Sai had the utmost respect for Kevin Durant. He felt like he handled his business. He was the one person who was at least consistent. Doesn't come with BS. He just plays ball. Probably will get hurt. Happens. Like he, he, he does come with injuries, but he doesn't come with drama. The drama is everybody else talking about KD, but KD don't really create drama. If you really think about it, he just puts his head down and plays elite of elite basketball. And so that's why he ended up going to Phoenix. They didn't talk to any other teams. They were taking calls, obviously, just because teams are calling. They pick up the phone and then basically hang right back up. And I think this happened in the middle of the night because if there were immediate reactions, just think about every like it was in a testament. It was a testament to the Brooklyn Nets. Everything was negative about Brooklyn after Kevin Durant got traded. The owners messed this up. Was this was the big three that they once had the most disappointment. So I think what they were trying to do was make this move in the middle of the night. It, it'll be breaking news, but everybody's checking their phones. Nobody major is going to communicate about it until the morning. Let it reside. Let everybody think about it. Go to the you know, the the pre-show meetings and figure out which direction they're going to go. But I think all hell would have broke loose if, like, first take was – if this news broke while first take was going and they're going to kill Brooklyn. Like, so I do think that had a piece in it was, like, the PR part of, like, this could be a very negative look on us as Brooklyn because we've lost in a matter of a year and a half KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. And it's blown up in our face. What we thought was a championship team is now none of those three pieces – are on the team at all. So I think they were just worried about the negative publicity. But I will say if there's one owner who would have did it in the middle of the day when the hottest talk show was on TV, it would have been Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones would have made a move like that when the best, the number one TV show is currently on. He would have made sure to break that news so that the whole world is able to see it. So, but it was a little weird to be in the middle of the night. I do want to talk. There is a trade before we talk about the Lakers, because they made basically, I won't say a plethora, but they made multiple moves in the past couple weeks that I think makes them a better team, how much better we'll talk about. But I think for me, the most underrated trade that kind of it happened and it like slipped under the radar and everybody, us hooper hoop heads know about it, bro. Jay Crowder to Milwaukee, like Jay Crowder to the Milwaukee bucks. I I don't want to, I don't want to go necessarily this far, but Milwaukee might be the best team in the Easter conference. They have everything to be a championship team. Like, if, if I came on here and I said Milwaukee's going to the finals, y'all might be like, I could see Boston, but you wouldn't like, you're an idiot for saying, pre-Jay Crowder, 
So I look at their roster right now. They got Jay Crowder for what? Four second round picks, which is a story in itself because second round picks were being slung like dime bags on, on the trade deadline. So that was crazy in itself. And we talked about that on uh, the Hooper spaces last night. But Jay Crowder, now if you look at their, what, their rotation, they have nothing. They literally surrounded Giannis with nothing but guys who play defense and can shoot the ball. Literally everybody on that team that will be in the eight-man rotation outside of Giannis plays defense at a very high level. A couple are all NBA defenders, and they all can shoot the three. Drew Holiday, Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Chris Middleton. That's going to be a tough, that's going to be a tough, tough team to have to play when you have five guys who are lockdown defenders at any given point in time. They can all switch defensively. They're, they're a big unit. Drew Holiday's a big, a bigger point guard. Chris Middleton, 6'6, six, 6'7. Six, six, Crowder, 6'8. Giannis, 6'10. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 6'10, 7 feet. You got Bobby Portis starting. He's a seven footer. Um, Grayson Allen's pretty much the smallest guy in that rotation. So, what, what is y'all's? Is is that y'all's most underrated? I'll start with you, Chris. Is that the most underrated trade that probably should have got a lot more love? That swung the pendulum more than people are even talking about because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have been traded. Like you mentioned, like uh, with Milwaukee, and I've said this. I think Milwaukee's the best team in the East. Once they got Middleton back, and he looked like Middleton. I was like, okay, they're on. And then Giannis is doing what Giannis does. What I think they're what, on like a 11 game win streak, 10 game win streak. You know, so they're playing really good ball right now. Then you add Jay Crowder, and we've been talking about that. They're like a Jay Crowder away from being like, they got their PJ Tucker. What happened a few years ago at the deadline? What they do? They get PJ Tucker. And what happened? They won a the championship. Yeah, it was so a better team. This is their, this is their, now Jay Crowell's going to get back in shape because he hasn't played basketball all season long. And that whole situation was weird in Phoenix. But, um, but yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a, that might be the most low key under, because they didn't need a, they didn't need to swing to like obviously get like a, a superstar player or anything ca- caliber of that, you know, um, any player of that, you know, caliber. They just needed like a piece like that. And we all said Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder to the Bucks makes sense. And you know, they made that move, and that that should, and they didn't give up anyone of significance, you know. Um, that uh, you know, so that, that that to me, yeah, I think I might agree. That might be uh, the more underrated move. Also, Clippers, I think you know, getting Eric Gordon and getting um, Bones Highland too, I think is underrated. And Mason Plumley. And Mason Plumley too. So now, because they had no depth in their in their front court you know it was Zubak and nothing like now you add Zubak Plumley. now you can have Zubak even come off the bench Zubak come off the bench going against a second unit oh he's gonna eat you know so that that's a good move and if you could get Bones Highland to play like he was maybe last year or some spurts this year they kind of felt like they gave up on him because of Jamal Murray coming back you know that kind of hurt him a lot but they get anything from him, and we know Gordon's been wanting to be out for Houston for a while. He's, he's he he was probably he he saw John Wall and be like, "Sorry, buddy, I'm out. <laughs> Can't yeah. help you here." You know, as John Wall's coming back in, like, "Oh man, I'm back here." And even though he's probably going to be big bought out, and that's going to be interesting too, is the buyout market. You know, who who gets who? You know, Reggie Jackson's going to be there, John Wall. You know, maybe Derrick Rose and all that. But that was an also a, a good move uh, for uh, 
a, a low key good move is, is the Clippers getting Eric Gordon and uh and Bones Highland. Yeah, one hundred percent. Ken, any like underrated moves before we talk about your Lakers? I mean, the Bucks. I thought that they were the favorites at the start of the year, mm-hmm. and I still believe that. Like people have this kind of like revisionist history of like, oh yeah, well the Celtics beat them last year, so like they're in the rearview mirror, and it's like they beat them without Chris Middleton. And they yeah. took them to seven. It went seven so, games too, yeah. So, like, acting like somehow Boston is, like, this East juggernaut. And don't get me wrong. I think that it's a one-two in the East. I think it's those two and everyone else is kind of just hanging back a bit. And they may be a step behind them. But I still think Milwaukee's the best team in the NBA right now. I think that they should be the favorites to win the title. I've been all in on them since the start of the year. So, getting Crowder now. That's huge. That's mostly why I like Milwaukee defensively. I just think that they're better than everyone else. Like, I think you get into a playoff series with them and they could start holding teams to under 90 points. Like, I think that we're talking like mid 2000s type defense they could be playing. So that one, I mean, the Clippers obviously made a ton of moves, which is good because they kind of had to revamp. And I think they took this as a look, Kawhi's missing every other game. So we need to. Like, like if we're going for the title, it's this year. Like, we can't keep waiting around. Like, he's somehow gonna get healthier. Like, he's never gonna get healthier. So, yeah, go for it this year. Adding Plumlee's nice in the front court. Adding Gordon's huge. Um, a lot of the other deadline moves. The unfortunate part is it's just like players going to irrelevant teams. Like, the only mm-hmm. other one that I would point to would be I kind of like Josh Richardson going to the Pelicans because I think they really needed some defense yeah, that just goes a long way in helping with that i mean you gave up Devonte graham and four second rounders like graham wasn't that guy hasn't defended since he was at kansas so like i'm not too concerned about him leaving but adding that into their rotation i think that they could be a pretty solid defensive team because they already had herb jones there now you throw richardson into it as well they're gonna need those guys when they go up against katie when they go up against luke and Kyrie. like you need to be able to defend. So that would be the only other like quote unquote underrated move at the deadline. Cause like no one saw Mo Bamba for Patrick Beverly and they were like, Oh hell yeah, that's a massive deal. So, oh, well, no, I heard. And I was, I was just about to say that. So I don't follow Laker fans. Oh, so so, look, transparency. so we're about to get into that. Now that you good segue can look at you like now, now W energy segueing into Figuring out a way that we're going to talk about your Lakers, even though we were going to do that anyway. So the Los Angeles Lakers. In the past, what? Y'all have had Rui for what? Two, three weeks now? He's been well, on team. talking about Rui like he was the second coming of Jesus. So like. Well, yeah, but but so y'all made a move for Rui. Y'all, y'all got rid of Russell Westbrook. Um, y'all, y'all brought in D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt. And then y'all also got rid of Pat Beverly. I feel like Pat Beverly needed to go. I'm not the biggest Pat Bev fan. I mean, he was in your starting five. I'm sorry. Like, even still, that never made sense to me. Dennis Schroeder is a better player than Patrick Beverly right now. Um, so it never made Dar- – Darwin Ham, I get into him. I- I'll kill him on another show because some of the things he do don't make no sense to me. But y'all got rid of Patrick Beverly, brought in Mobamba, which I think was a – I won't say it's not a major move. It's not a massive move. It's not a swing for the fences move, but it's like you have an athletic center who can block shots and get rebounds to back up Anthony Davis. Like, and I know you had that in Thomas Bryant, but 
you could tell Darwin Ham put Thomas Bryant right out on the bench and played him 19 minutes a game as soon as Anthony Davis come back. And I was like, outside of LeBron, really your most impactful player while Anthony Davis was out consistently was Thomas Bryant. I mean, he was giving you about 14 and 10. You don't play every, defense, though. That's the only thing in Thomas Bryant. And, and that's where I think defense. the difference is with having Mo Bamba is like, okay, I have a defender. I got a guy who can block shots at the rim. Basically a Nerlens Noel. And I feel like every team could use a Nerlens Noel. Like, just know your role. Block shots and get rebounds, bro. And and as long as you don't do that great though, Mo Bamba. So it's like as long as you don't get past your role, like that's supposed to be his role. You're getting him for the song. That's what you're getting him. You're getting him for the song. Because you're getting a player that's he lost his spot to Bo Bo. Bo Bo just got there, and he essentially lost but his Bo spot. Bo Bo is a better player, though, like because he can do every, he could dribble the ball. He was running point. Bo Bo was running point guard at one point because all their guards were hurt. Like exactly, he's a better he player. Lost his spot to a guy that just got there, and like that's that's telling. Like and yeah, like, but you, that, anyway, I am not about to argue with Mo Bamba about Mo Bamba right no, now. There's people gonna, saying, "Oh my God, we got Mo Bamba. We're we're, we're gonna," and I'm just like, "Are you?" That was just kind of. I feel like the no, most the move he's barely playing in Orlando on a Laker bad team. fans are. Orlando yeah, gave him all, every team. possibility to to break out and do his thing, and then they were like, "Yeah, he ain't it. Let's go but get." The most humble move was just like it. Just I think people got excited because it was the overall. Like okay, this was the final move of the overall trade deadline where I feel like the Los Angeles Lakers got better. First off, you needed some more depth. You added that. You needed a wing defender. Another wing defender or a wing defender. You added that in Vanderbilt. You got a streaky shooter, but when he's on, he's on in Malik Beasley, who's probably, I would expect, is probably going to be coming off the bench. Maybe he starts. I don't know. Um, We'll see what the starting five looks like possibly tonight. You know, uh, I know they play the Golden State Warriors tonight. I'm sure all those guys are playing. How much and what the rotation is going to look like is probably going to happen to that trade with Gold. Did that trade? uh, We don't know. They haven't said nothing. Yeah, it's still. So. And then you added D'Lo, who D'Lo statistically, and I'm not, I don't want to go down this road of that argument, but D'Lo statistically has been playing better than Russell Westbrook. That's all I'm saying. Statistically, he has been playing better than Russell Westbrook. That's the only, that's all I'm saying. So, but you, uh, people say, oh, is D'Lo better? I was getting into arguments because they were focusing the trade on D'Lo for Russ. Is D'Lo flat out better than Russ? I said, they got D'Lo in stuff. They got Malik Beasley. They got Jared Vanderbilt. This is now a deeper team. Guys, they can play defense. And it's to me, this looks like a type of team that if you have LeBron and AD, this is how you surround them. You got Rui. You got Schroeder. You have Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker. You got a couple shooters. So, like, this is how you surround the team. They went all in on being with LeBron being the number one option and AD being the number two option. How much better they got is the question that, Ken, I want to ask you. How much better – what? What are your expectations now for the Lakers after these moves? Like, they got better, but will you as a Lakers fan and a person who knows basketball, how much better and what are the expectations for the Lakers now? So I want to name some of the guys that the Lakers started the other night because obviously there was the trade transition and stuff, so guys weren't playing. They started Max Christie. Um, they played Wenyan Gabriel, big minutes. They played Troy Brown, big minutes. <laughs> It played Cole Swider. Christie's good, Mac, because that's someone that can be a okay, player. Okay, but like, but like, but everyone else did play. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, but like, we're talking about guys that were in the rotation. Cole Swider, like, we remembered him from. Oh, Cole! I didn't know Cole. Uh, Cole yeah, Wayne he, he was in, on the, the other yeah, night. So, like, oh good God, for him. Cole didn't tell us he was in the NBA. Oh, so 
<laughs> instead, now they get to mix into their rotation because these are the guys that didn't play. Russell, Beasley, Bomba, LeBron, Vanderbilt. So I think that they're significantly better than they were now. Significantly better is also talking about what was a 11 seed. So exactly. significantly better could be that they're the five or six seed now in the West. I think they're closer to being the seven or the eight seed by the time the season's over. There's not a lot of, I know that it's bunched in the Western conference, but it is, you know, only 25, 30 games left in the season. So there's not a lot of time to really like skyrocket up the standings or anything. I mean, I still don't think that they're title contenders. I think that they, Palenka got them into the playoffs, which is where they should have been the last couple of years, but they've just been an absolute dumpster fire of having no depth at all. Throwing Vanderbilt and Beasley into the rotations, just finally they're going to be able to start competing on a night-to-night basis. Because we're assuming that AD's not going to play every game the rest of the year. LeBron's not going to play every game the rest of the year. But now they have at least a chance of winning some of these, like, quote-unquote, nothing regular season games that, that people say don't matter, but in the grander scheme of things, they do. So I think that they actually have a chance to start winning some of those games. Like the Lakers were barely winning games with LeBron and AD both healthy. So now they can bad teams at that. Yeah. Not good teams either. Like they're winning by five against like the Pistons. And you're like, what? Why is this close? And it's like LeBron has 36 and AD gives you 22, 23. And it's still like we won by five. Like, why is this game? So I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I don't like throwing Russ under the bus for this entire like situation. Cause a lot of people like to go to the fact that like, Oh, Russ is regressing. Like Russ isn't that good anymore. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, we knew when they made that trade that it was a weird fit. It never made sense. Every, everyone. And, and I've been saying this since the trade happened, you gave up Contavious Caldwell Pope, good perimeter defender. You gave up Kyle Kuzma, who is a pretty solid wing guy. And you gave up Montrez Harrell to get Russ which never fit the whole reason why the Lakers won the title a number of years ago. They're one of the best defensive teams in basketball. They were actually the best defense. Look what Kuz is doing in Washington. Kuz is having a career year, 20 and 10, almost in in Washington. And, and Colwell Pope is a big reason, you know, not a big reason, but he's He's a key contributor contributor to a number one seed in the Western Conference. guys that fit in perfectly with what they wanted to do. Kuzma and Harrell were coming off the bench and KCP was a great starting piece because he could knock down some threes. He played good perimeter defense. Everything fit well. Then they just have this cluster, you know what, of a team where there's no depth. And this is what happens in the NBA. When you have three guys that you have to pay that kind of money, like there's no room outside of that. Unless Russ is playing, unless Russ is MVP, Russ, LeBron is like prime LeBron and AD is healthy, then you're just not going to win a lot of basketball games. Like if you have a big three, they have to. They have, they have to, to all be playing, contributing seventy-five to eighty points every single night, and they yeah. weren't getting that. Russ was giving them fifteen. LeBron's giving them thirty. Eighty's giving them twenty-five. Okay, where do you get the other forty-five to fifty points that you need to win? You're expecting Lonnie Walker to do it. You're expecting like Patrick Beverly to do it. You're expecting guys who can't do it consistently. They can't yeah. do it. But like, did you hear what Winhorse said? I don't know if you guys listened to Winhorse's podcast, uh, Who Collective. I listen to it all the time because he, he he gets inside a lot of these trades and like how everything goes down. And he said what the Russ thing was like, it was getting really bad. 
So how we heard about like the the, the vampire stuff and all that, like which isn't fair to Russ. But. It's not fair, but there's some there's some reality to that, like and all that. Um, that he wasn't vibing well. He wasn't vibing well with Braun. So when you don't vibe well with Braun, you you you, you, had, you, 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 but, but you had to see that locker room video where it's like yeah. Braun sitting there going like, "We got to go out and win this thing." And then Russ is like, yeah, let's yeah, go out and have fun. Yeah, like, let's yeah. go out and, 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 and I know that it's just, like, a snippet, but, like, it matters yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's, like, the mentality of, like, Braun really wants another ring. Like, yes, yeah, yeah, he's the yeah. all-time leading scorer, but he's he wants another else. chance. Yeah. He is still chasing Jordan, whether people want to say it or not, because people are divided he's... on it. And if he goes and gets another one, then, like, he's just tacking on it. To his legacy, and he's chasing just to be the goat. Period. Like, yeah. and it, if we could, he, he doesn't want to debate anymore. He wants yeah. to like. Look, well, Windhorse, Windhorse said that Westbrook I want could have been told to just go home. So he said that yeah, he believed that people said people in the organization were were close. Were were, were if they couldn't find a trade partner for what Westbrook, because uh, realistically they could have just just be like, all right, we'll just keep him. His, his number comes off the books anyway. So whatever, like, but they will, it got so bad that they, that Windhorse said that th- he believed that they would have just told Russ to stay home. Yeah. But now that trading Russ, like bringing in D'Angelo Russell, what it did, but they got something for him, but they said if, if they couldn't find anything, if nobody okay, wanted yeah. Westbrook, they would have been like, Russ just will pay you to stay home. And we talked about it. And I'm like, and I had mentioned that like before, like I wouldn't be surprised if this happens. And like, it almost got to that point where that's how bad it got, where it's like, we, we rather not you not be here and just pay you to stay but, away. But at, that, at that point, the season's over because yeah, you even, gotta, even if you have Braun and AD, you then have no bench contribution that is consistent. Without at the very Braun, least, when it, Russ has been out there, and I said this, like when he's a six man, like, when he was just running that second unit and he's getting like 15, seven and six or whatever he's doing coming off the bench. Like that was fine. That that was, that was more than I was expecting out of Russ this year. If I'm being perfectly honest, I thought that yeah. he was going to be sent home. Like Chris was saying, cause it just, it's a terrible, terrible fit. And it had been since the yeah. start. And it's this idea that you have to go and chase having a third star, but the Lakers didn't need a third star when they won the title a couple of years ago. They had two stars and then they had a very deep team. And they won a championship. And they won a championship because they had but they've done power the past. because they, they Shaq had and Kobe that, pieces, three championships. Like I don't understand this 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 uh you don't need three stars to win a championship. You've got two is, do- two dogs and then you got a bunch of other guys. Look look at the teams that we have right now in the NBA. You've got Boston, who has Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Outside of that, it's a lot of depth around them. Like, you wouldn't say that they have a third star. We would argue that Milwaukee has one superstar and then a couple all-stars. No superstars. Like, you're not saying either of them. They got good tiers. The tier is very good. Very layered team around them. When you look at... Philly, you're not talking about Tobias and Maxi as superstars. You call Harden and Embiid, but then it's a good team around them. These are all the teams that you have to compete with, and they don't need that third contract. They don't need that third $40 million plus because then you have no room to improve anywhere else. And as I said, then you're banking on these guys to score like 85 points every single night like combined. And when you're not getting that, then you're a bad basketball team. Like, let's mm-hmm. face it, there's you would take teams like Detroit's bench over the bench that the Lakers had. Like yeah. that's how bad it is. But you would you, take Orlando's bench. You do would do you take... think do you think the 
that like Palinka just thought LeBron can can take Russ. If if we add Russ, LeBron still has that superpower where he can take him. No, I think LeBron to, to championship. I'm gonna be honest. No, I don't think Palinka thought that. I don't think Palinka or Genie Bus ever wanted to trade for Russ. What I think. And, and or LeBron thinking that he can. I'm a LeBron he thought that he could change Russ's career trajectory by winning him a championship. I don't even think it was about. It was a. It was. Listen, I'm a LeBron fan. Y'all know this, and this is where I'm about to critique LeBron. It was an ego move for LeBron James. What he wanted Russ to do, he wanted to take Russ, win a championship. One, it would in, in it would make Russ better, right? Like it would it would make. People look at Russ a lot, a lot differently. But what it does is it makes LeBron, one, he gets his fifth championship, probably can start to dead a lot of arguments that people would have for Jordan anyway. Two, he gets to say he did something that Kevin Durant couldn't do, James Harden couldn't do, Paul George and Carmelo, if you want to say, couldn't do. He gets to say that all of y'all said Russ cannot play championship basketball, but look what happens when he plays with me. I won a championship with him. He, I can make him into a champion, and I get to do everything that the top 10 guys in the league who have played with Russ were not able to do. It was an ego move. But 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 th- this is what, to take it a step further, what it does is at the end of his career, he can sit there because everyone, like, not to touch too much on the MJ, LeBron, whatever. I don't give a shit who's one and who's two. But when they put up that graphic of like, here's bronze teammates and here's like, here's MJ's teammates. Like he's played with way better teammates. Guess what? At the end of the day, he could sit there and point at that list and say, I made all these guys champions, except I, including Russell Westbrook, who couldn't yeah, win with KD, that couldn't win. Like, as you said, all these other guys that couldn't win with him. I made Russ a champion. I made Melo a champion. I made like just go down the list of guys that have won a ring because of LeBron James. And he can sit there and say, you know what? You guys can say whatever you want. I was the best player on those teams. I made all those guys better. I made all those guys champions. Like, and he then changes the career trajectory, especially of Russ. Cause we're going to appreciate him in 20 years for the individual talent that he yeah. is, but we're going to say, well, but he could never win. He's going to fall into that. Like Barkley, Iverson, Lone, Iverson, like, Oh, he was super talented, but he could just never win a title. And he just he might be like in a T-Mac category. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. it'll be a T-Mac thing. T-Mac. But you got to think about it. Russell Westbrook has hit, like he's in history books. Like he, he's in history books. He's had, four, not not only did he have a triple-double, he got it four times. He's the all-time leader in triple-doubles. Like historically 20 years from now, like I don't see somebody averaging more than four, like more than a triple double, more than four times in their career. I guess if you want to say, if there was a person who could do it, there's two people in the league right now. That is a possibility to be Luca and Jokic would be the two guys in the league right now that I could see possibly doing it more. So Luca, because he's so young, Jokic is in the prime of his career. But, but other than that, like he's going to go down in history books. Not only did he, get a record or tie a record that we ne- thought was never be broken. He did it three more times after that. So 20 years from now, you're going to talk about Russell Westbrook a little bit different. Just like when Charles Barkley immediately after he retired, it was still like as good as he was, he could never win a championship. Same with Allen Iverson, but like later on down the line, you it's appreciate- why other power forwards pass those guys. It's why KG passed him. It's why Dirk passed him. It's why uh, Garnett passed him. Like it's because of, they Champions. had that championship. Yeah, that cha- that one cherry on top. Think about what one championship for Russ does. It puts him top five point guard of all time. Takes him, t- skyrockets him up the board. As the guy, though, as the as, guy. 
It wouldn't, but it it wouldn't, if he would, if Russ, and I don't even know how we ended up down this rabbit hole. We're about to talk about the biggest losers, but what think about if T-Mac had won a championship, if T-Mac won a championship in his prime, think about how different people view T-Mac. Like I think even guys like him, Russ, like that, even look at Dirk, look how different we think about, we talk about Dirk. Imagine he doesn't win that championship. Dirk would have been like the now, seventh best the power forward. The storyline with Dirk win. helps him because it's like, all right, one's like the whole trajectory. And it's who got there on top of that. But like if it's- Dirk loses that championship, we're gonna look at Dirk very differently. How we look, it's kind of like Westbrook too. It's like he would have, he would have been that team at so like that one cha- one championship. That's all you need, guys like that, because they're not true legacy players like LeBron. Yeah, they're not AD staff. Yeah, but yeah. They're, they're still- they just need one. Guys like that just need one championship as the guy. Like, just one championship as the but guy. Russ he wouldn't have had to do it. He wouldn't have had to do it as the guy, though. Like, if he would have won last year, because, like, if he, when he first came to LA, if they would have won the championship last year, obviously they weren't even close to the end of the playoffs. I get that. But what I'm saying is, had they won the championship, we know Russ would have been the third best player on that team. But it would have been a big three, and it would have been like how you look at Chris Boss for winning a championship, but because of what Russ's track record was all the way up to that, four times averaging a triple-double, an MVP, his track record, he wouldn't have had to be the guy and lead a team to a championship. Just putting a championship on his resume as a, as a starting point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers makes him into that all-time. He, he really gets into that all-time tier, and then one championship kind of makes it like where do you argue that Russ isn't a top-five point guard of all time, even if you have him fifth, like now he surpasses. We look at him like in a greater light than we look at Chris Paul. We look at him in a greater light than John Stockton. We look at him in a greater light than some of Jason Kidd because of what he did historically. And then you add that championship. Now having a championship changes the fact of like, now you have, and I think, and I think that LeBron wanted to change that for him. I think that's why he wanted to bring it in because I wanted to change it for himself. He's always had the utmost respect for Russ. It definitely seemed like it soured this season and, and just the whole oh, vibe easily. of the Lakers just didn't seem. I mean, he's been in trade rumors since, since December of last year, doesn't get traded at the deadline. We thought for sure it was going to happen in the summertime. Like we, we just knew Russ wasn't coming into the season as a Laker. And then he does. Darwin Ham did not want to trade him. I want to try him at six man. I want to give him a role. I think he could contribute. I think he could contribute to us. And it started looking, the Lakers still weren't a good team, but as far as for Russell Westbrook, him playing the sixth man looked like, man, that's a that's a hell of a role for Russell Westbrook. He looks like the best version of Russ at this point in his career. Like, and, and for a little bit, it looked pretty sweet. Like, the Lakers weren't necessarily a bad team. They weren't a great team, but it didn't, everything was kind of going right. And then it's just like AD goes down. You know, LeBron's going to load manage at this point. Russ and and he they, they can't win games so when you're losing nothing's fun anyway and then you're just like bro we I know we can now that Russ his contract becomes an expiring contract this is when those tanking teams or whatever the Utahs who just want to get up draft picks and young players or whatever now was the time when they were willing to take it and so now Russell Westbrook has value around the league not necessarily the utmost value but to where the point the Lakers can upgrade and with the Lakers upgrading here's what I think it turned them into. Like, we said all this. This is what I think the Lakers are before we talk about our biggest losers. The Lakers are now a team who I think get to the playoffs through the play-in 
And now they become a team that that sucks as a consolation prize to win the one, be the one seed or two seed that I might have to play the Lakers. I ain't saying they beat Denver. I'm not saying they beat Memphis. But if I'm Denver or Memphis, and I don't want that matchup. But the Lakers come into the playoffs healthy. I don't want to have to play LeBron and Anthony Davis in the first round. If I'm the one seed and I got to play LeBron, AD, and company. Or in I the could get Ant Man and Gobert. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I don't want to do that. Like, if they want to get to the playoffs. They need to start going. I know they, they're three games out of the 10th seed and they'll be fine. They, they, they got to they gotta get, uh, get going. They got to get going. Yeah, but they, they will. They're, they're, they're about to start getting going. And I'm not saying they're going to beat the Warriors tonight. I'm just saying they're going to start getting going. They understand that. If anybody. Warriors without Steph tonight, though. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's possible, but I'm just saying they're also implementing. You Guys, know, I'm an NBA games. fan again, so like I actually pay attention now that when the Lakers are playing. Yeah, so. they're also implementing, you know, uh, the new rotation or whatever. So we don't know what that'll look like. Maybe LeBron just takes over tonight and was like, "All right, this is going to be we brought on new guys. This is going to be the start." Of the uh, the fresh start for the rest of the season, so it's also but, not going to get easy for them. No, it doesn't. Their next like six, seven games suck. Like for it's, them, it sucks. It's to have Golden State, Portland, Pelicans, Warriors, Mavs, Grizzlies. So yeah, like you, you potentially for the next six games play teams that are all better than you at this moment. But we don't know what these new guys look like. So before we close out, I want to talk about the biggest losers. I'm going to go first. I'm going first on this one because we all know who one of the biggest losers is in this trade deadline. It's the Miami Heat. There is no way around it. A team who had – and when I say tradable pieces, they didn't have a lot of value, but they had enough value to get up off of them. Kyle Lowry had enough value for you to just free yourself of his contract. Did he? He did. There were teams inquiring about Kyle Lowry. Were you going to improve by getting Kyle Lowry? Probably not. But what you were going to do was get up off of his contract. People wanted Duncan Robinson. Here was the kicker on why we weren't able. They said, we will take, we will trade for Duncan Robinson, but you have to give us a pick. Like we want a first round pick, whatever eligible first round pick you're able to trade. We want that alongside. We will take this contract up off of you, but you're going to owe us a pick. And so Miami goes into the trade deadline, the trade past month, like the trade month, where everybody start thinking about mapping out moves and they're on the phones for the next month. So by Thursday, everything's final. And they were stingy. They didn't want to give up. They wanted everything in the world without giving up anything. Oh, I want to improve my team, but I don't want to give up Kyle Lowry. Then it was like two days before the trade deadline. Oh, okay, they're more willing to give up Kyle Lowry. I'm like, what's this fascination with Kyle Lowry? Like he's old. It was a bad signing when it happened. And I told everybody this. When when we signed him, that it was bad. You signed a thirty six year old point guard to a three year deal. That's stupid. That that's plain stupid in the first place. But they made no moves. Like they literally made nothing. And so they made the one move trading Dwayne Dedman away, which opened up some cap space. Which kind of tells me Miami's going to scout. They're they're going to scout the the buyout market. And it kind of tells me when they did that. What Monday or two? I think we traded Dedman like Sunday or Monday. It kind of, I guess we should have seen the writing on the wall that essentially that's their plan is like they plan on going at the buyout market because there could be some players that could add to, you know, Derrick Rose or if he gets bought out or Alec Burks, like just for the guys who the list of potential candidates, we know Terrence Ross is getting bought out. So I think that was the plan for them the whole time. But this is where I tell everybody, this is why the Miami Heat, everybody Miami wants everybody, but I'm like, they don't have a bunch of tradable pieces for the simple fact 
I think Gabe Vincent's a really good player. I'm not saying great, but I think he's a really good player. But you know what the rest of the NBA thinks? He's only good because he's in Miami. I think I think Max Struess is a really good shooter, and, and he's a contributor. He's not consistent, but he, he. But then they think, well, he won't do that outside. Miami has a bunch of guys. That's where you get where you maximize these undrafted guys and all this is they don't value them outside of you because yes, we know Miami, you make players better. They, they put, you get the best out of them. They play really good, but they also, when they leave because they deserve more money, Hassan Whiteside, like like Hassan Whiteside, that's what they do. They get the big money because they look really good in the Miami heat uniform. He got overpaid, but at the same time, like he was bro, he was 22 and 10 at Miami, like he looked like a really good center. He was balling in Miami. Like he came, went from a YMCA to Miami. He's starting center, putting up 22 and 10, got paid elsewhere. Miami, that's what they do. They maximize these guys while they can't. When it's time to pay them, for the most part, unless they have all star potential, they don't pay them and they go get overpaid. And then you realize, like, damn, it was only because they were in Miami and that's the team that maximizes their potential. So, Chris, I'll go to you. But what, give me a biggest loser. Biggest loser is Miami. Don't go Miami, but don't go Miami. I gave I'm, you. I'm, I'm, no, I'm going Miami. They didn't I mean, do nothing, bro. It's cool. We I I'm, talked about it. They needed to make a move. Like you guys are in it. You're a top six seed right now. You guys have a chance to do something. I don't get why nothing was done. Not even Here. a minute move, like a small improvement. Nothing. Like Pat, it's that meme where you that where. Where John Travolta is doing this. That's what Pat Riley was doing. But the Knicks did it. They did a small, minute move to make them a little bit better by adding Josh Hart. Like, that's the type of move I was even okay with. Like, just show me that you're committed to improving this team a little bit. And that's exactly what the Knicks did. They added Josh Hart. You, It's not a swing for the fences. It doesn't make the Knicks championship contenders. But it adds a shooter, a guy who plays defense, and it makes them that much. It makes them a little bit better. And yeah. so you're at least like, okay, the Knicks want to win something. They want to be competitive. They're trying to get better. They went into the trade deadline and was like, we need to improve somehow, some way. We're not going to swing for a superstar right now. I think the Knicks will wait till about the summertime to do some something like that, depending on what superstar is available. We know we were hearing rumblings about they were interested in Zach Levine, but that didn't happen. So that's neither here nor there. Thank God that didn't happen. But, uh, like they went and got Josh Hart, and now you're like, the Knicks are just a little bit better. They made a slight improvement on something. That they addressed a need that they needed. That's all I wanted Miami to do was address a need. Now, if they do good, I said there's some candidates that I would love to see us get in the buyout market. Terrence Ross is a guy I wouldn't mind looking at, but I think we need we need another score and not a guy who I don't – you're not going to find a guy on the buyout market that can score 30 points a game. But what I'm saying is somebody to just be able to take that load on the second – or you need to go back to Tyler Hero being a six-man. Like that, That's where you put yourself at the predicament, but you paid him too much, and he ain't taking a six-man role. Ken, what is one of your biggest losers? Miami. I know. Let's no? just rain on Miami. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Like, it's really no other team. Like, No, there is. Oh, there is. There, no, there's other teams, but to me, it's 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 Miami, like, by by far. It depends on how you look at it, because there's another team. But go ahead, Ken, before, because there's another team that I think is a big, because they well, could I'm probably going to get deported, but uh, Toronto. That's where I was going. Toronto, too, yeah. How, okay. What is the direction of the Toronto Raptors? You don't Seriously. Know. They think they're gonna they can make the playoffs and do something. That's exactly but, what they think. But okay, so they go and add Jakob Pertl, who by the way, they has they been a Raptor before. Raptor, yeah. They traded him away, and then he went and he was good in San Antonio. Now he's coming back. And there was all this talk around the Raptors at the deadline. Are they gonna move OG Ananobi? He's one of the biggest like pieces at the deadline. 
Maybe it's Van Vliet, maybe it's Siakam. And now we're talking about the 12th seed in the Eastern Conference that stayed put and added Jakob Pertl, and they think that that is enough for them to be a playoff team. They are four games back of the New York Knicks right now. Like, what are we doing here, Toronto? And I'm so sick and tired of hearing how great of a GM Masai Ujiri is because he made one big move for Kawhi that won a championship, and outside of that has been super mid, has made Denver an average team in the West, has made Toronto an average team in the East. But we bow down in this country to Masai's feet like he is some god of a GM. I think he's a good GM. I think he's just the Doc Rivers of GMs. I think that he like really banks off of one championship and outside of that does a lot of questionable things. But we go, ah, but it's Doc Rivers. Ah, but it's won the championship, right? Yeah. 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 But you went all in on Kawhi. And by the way, you got super lucky in the fact that the team on the other side had tons of injuries. Otherwise, you don't even win said championship. You make that move to have Kawhi not win you a title and then still leave for LA anyways. And I just look at Toronto and I'm like, you should have sold. Like, like this should have been your deadline. You could have completely kickstarted a rebuild, the OKC style, the Rocket style of you could have got multiple first round picks for these guys. Those sorts of deals are pretty much off the table now moving forward because these guys are either expiring or they're on one year left on their deal. So what's the value knowing that you have to then pay Pascal Siakam. If you would have made the move now, he could have given you this year, and then next year you can make a determination on whether he's enough to actually want to pay him long term. Now you're you're just I think that the market deteriorated for them now. I think that when they go to trade these guys, it's meaning one less first round draft pick. I think it's meaning one less prospect. And I think that it's just a terrible, terrible decision by Toronto. And the Raptors fans don't want to hear it. And you're you're the 12 seed. You were the 12 seed in the Eastern Conference and added one player and think that that's enough for you to be a playoff team because you made the playoffs last year losing to Philly. Yeah, and I think I think going on that same route, I think Chicago. Like I think Miami, Toronto and Chicago, probably Miami to the extent because of how you look at Miami, but I mean, let, you know, Walker said it last night and it pissed me off, but it's true. Like we ain't really what's Miami really going to win? Like but Miami's also that team, once they get in the playoffs, they, they it's like they flip a switch and you never know. Like, if they get the right matchups, they could get close. So you're like, okay, knowing how Miami has been the past three years, you know once it gets to the playoffs, they're one of those teams. Like, anything could happen because they, they play their best basketball in the playoffs. I think Chicago's in the same boat, though. And here's why I say that is because you have DeMar DeRozan, you have Zach Levine, you have Vucevic. If I'm Chicago, I would have I started my rebuild Thursday by 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. Eastern, whatever time the trade deadline ended, you have three pieces, DeMar, Zach Levine, and Vucevic. That would have been very valuable, had value around the league. A lot of teams who are, who could possibly win a championship would have been interested in all three of those guys. I'm not saying you wouldn't have got a KD package, but you could have got a few picks, a whole bunch of second-round picks. Like I said, those were slung around like dope. So you would have had a whole bunch of picks. Clearly, second-round picks have value. You could have got a couple young guys and given DeMar to a contender. Then you could have flipped Zach Levine. Not saying to, the Knicks were interested, but you didn't necessarily have to go to the Knicks. But there could have been, there were a lot of teams that were interested in Zach Levine. You, you, you could have squeezed the lemon and, and got as much from a team for Zach Levine. And then you got Vucevic. People can say what they want about Vucevic. He could contribute to a championship team. 
Like I, I fully believe that he's been playing really good. He's very he's the most consistent player in Chicago right now. It's not up and down. You know what you're getting with him. You're getting close to what by 18 and 10 pretty much every night. He's very and it's consistently. It's never like oh Vooch scores 30 and then has 10. Like no, it's very consistent. He scores in between the 18 and 24 range every night, and he gives you 10, eight to 12 rebounds every night. And he'll, he'll drop off a couple dimes anywhere from two to four a night. So. He could contribute to it. So I'm like, you got three players who you could contribute to the championship team and you have no direction. Like, you don't know how, like, like you're hoping what it, they're probably getting Russell Westbrook. What is Russell Westbrook going to do to this team? Like, he's not a guy who makes a difference between winning a championship what or a, not. What an awful fit. For that's Chicago. The worst like, fit possible. And that's why, like, I wanted Russ in Miami. Like, I, if he comes to Miami, I think it fits. I think it makes sense. And because of how. Eric Spolster is, you're putting him with a great coach at the end of the day. Like, Eric Spolster going to figure out, he was with Darmaham and Frank Vogel. I don't think those are great coaches. Eric Spolster is a great coach. If he can't figure out how to use Russ, Russ won't be in the league no more. I can tell you that now. If he don't have, if Russ didn't have any type of success in Miami, he won't be in the league anymore because people are going to be like, damn, I ain't necessarily Eric Spolster. But then that whole, oh, if you give me Russ, I know what to do with him. That shit will go out the window the minute Eric Spolster is like, yeah, I just... You know, we, we, we just we, we can't even play him. He ain't even in the rotation heading into the playoffs. So but I think with Chicago and Toronto, they have no direction. I think they had pieces where they could have sold very high. You could have sent Siakam somewhere. I know Kevin Durant wanted Siakam, you know, from reports were saying, like, if they didn't get Siakam, that was kind of the deal, difference between wanting out. If you're not improving this roster, I want out. Um, you know, Fred Van Vliet, the Clippers wanted him. The Lakers wanted him. You know, there were a lot of teams that wanted him. Pretty much the only untouchable person going into that trade deadline for me, if I'm Toronto, would have been Scotty Barnes. Like, all right, I'm not trading him. That's my young guy. We can start. He could be the first piece of a rebuild. And with, with Chicago, like, there was really no untouchable player for me if I'm Chicago. Like, I could start a rebuild, have a whole bunch of draft picks and young guys. Yeah, I'm going to suck, but I ain't. I don't have no real aspirations this year anyway. You can't win a championship. You're not going to win a playoff series. You might not get to the playoffs, and if you do, you're in the play-in, and you might not get make it through the play-in. And if you get to the playoffs, you're losing in the first round. That's your maximum bet if you're Chicago is that we make it to the playoffs and we lose in the first round via the play-in. They're not passing the Knicks. They're not passing the Heat. They're not getting that sixth seed because they ain't passing neither of them two teams, and those two teams are neck and neck as far as for six and seven. So that's why I think I think those are the three losers. So that's, that's kind of where I want to close out at. Put it put us right at an hour. Fellas, I appreciate y'all for joining the show. As always, I mean, these are my favorite guests. These are my guys. We talk, you know, in in the group chat. Favorite, and, and, hey. Yeah, these are my favorite guys, man. Y'all show up every time. Every time I need in, he's there. My, my most favorite group chat. Yeah. And then no you know, drama. Yeah. I love my group chat now. There's I zero it. drama. I love that we have the best group chat, no drama. Yeah, so just Most you know, have to edit that out. <laughs> I'm not. I don't care. Uh, just I'm just here. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, I ain't, I'm just here. So I appreciate y'all for tuning in and listening. Um, like I said, make sure you go to Tabo's Creative Studio, uh, marketing agency for anything that you need as far as logos, intros, merch, any, any ideas that you have. He can make it come to life. Also, uh, make sure you go to W Energy. And use promo code OTBN10 again um, for the new up-and-coming energy drink. I haven't had it yet. I'm going to place an order so then I can not only give you – I can give you a review and tell you that it's worth your while because I'm sure it will be. Um, but on that note, Up in Flames is out.